Well, good morning, church. It is good to be in God's house with you on Vision Sunday. Amen, amen. Anybody besides me ready for the word of God today? Man, I'm excited for the word that God has put on my heart. I want to invite you, if you have your Bible, open it up with me to the Old Testament major prophet of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 54, as we're turning there, let me just uh, remind some of you, maybe if you're new with us, you haven't been here for a while, there was a word that God put on my heart for our church for all of 2022. You just saw a recap of God's faithfulness to us throughout this year. Tonight, we have a a meeting with our, our members. We're going to be kind of looking a little closer at this last year, which let me just say, by the way, if you're not a member, it is an open meeting. We don't have any secrets here. You're welcome to attend, but tonight's going to be a a continuation of celebrating God's goodness and faithfulness to the church, but many of you will remember last year, the word God spoke to me for our church was wilderness. The wilderness as a place that God wanted to speak to us and develop some things in our life. And and I want you to know that the word I want to share today for 2023 is a word that I've been carrying in the wilderness for about six months. God made this text come alive in my heart earlier last year, and it's getting a little heavy. So I'm glad to lay it down at your feet today, and I hope you'll pick it up and run with it this morning, but you might remember the the history of God's people and how they went into a season of exile. And when we talk about the Israelites in exile, we usually think about uh, Moses and uh, their Egyptian taskmasters and parting the Red Sea and coming out of bondage into that wilderness. But I want you to know that the Bible actually speaks of a second exile. It's that big middle portion that some of you have already found, you know, where the prophets are. Not Psalms, not Proverbs, not Ecclesiastes, but all the other books right in there. We get the the major and the minor prophets, and a lot of them speak to God's people in a time of a second exile. In other words, God brought them out of Egypt. They went into the wilderness. They possessed the land that God had promised them. They established boundaries. They, they, they set up a government system. They anointed kings. They got everything in place, but their hearts turned against the Lord. And soon they found themselves under the oppression of other nations, and they were sent back out into exile. Don't worry, we're not going back to the wilderness for 2022, it got, it got like really quiet there. You're like, wait a minute, where are we going for the next year, 23? We're not going back to the wilderness. But it was in those years of wondering what's God doing. It's in those years of wondering if they were ever gonna get back to the place of promise that God speaks to them in Isaiah 54. And I want you to understand the context that they were facing when they heard this word because I think it makes it even that much more powerful to the church Today, Isaiah chapter 54, I want to read the first verse. If you don't have a Bible, look at it with us on the screen. It says, sing, barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy. You who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband says the Lord. I'll make that make sense in just a moment, but just do something with me. Would you just say sing? Come on, say this. Burst into song. Shout for joy. Here's what this text doesn't say. God doesn't say, one of these days, you're going to sing again. He doesn't say, when I fix stuff, I want you to burst into song. 
What you don't hear, read here is God saying, when I deliver you, when I turn everything for your good, when I make everything make sense, shout for joy. No, that's not what he says. We've all shouted for joy. But have you actually shouted for joy? Shouted to get joy. Shouted by faith. Not based on what you see, but by on what you believe. God is saying this to the people of Israel, and I believe he's saying it to us today. Look, it might not look the way you want it to look right now, but it's not staying this way. It's not staying this way, so I'm going to do a new thing. You go ahead and warm up the band. You go ahead and, and sing. You go ahead and shout because I'm about to do it. In fact, that's the theme of this whole, this whole section of Isaiah's book. It says in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 9, God says then, see the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. In other words, when the world looks at what's happening, they don't understand why we would have any reason to celebrate this morning. But we have a reason to celebrate because the Lord said, before it happens, I'm gonna reveal it to you. And so you don't have to wait until you see things play out. You don't have to wait till everybody gets on board. What you need to do is see by faith the new thing that I'm already doing. In chapter 43, the next chapter, verse 19, God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? You know, there are some people that will not catch what the Spirit of God is doing. It's always been that way. He, he asked them, I'm doing a new thing. The question is not if I'm working. The question is, are you perceiving what I'm doing? Say, well, what is God doing? He says, I am making a way in the wilderness. I'm making streams in the wasteland. Can I just remind somebody this morning that this is Vision Sunday. It's not History Sunday. So let's not, let's not spend too much time looking back on 2022 or what might or might not be happening in your life today. Let's look ahead. I'm not inviting you today to, to burst into song or to, or to shout for joy because of your situation. What I'm telling you is you ought to sing, you ought to shout, you ought to give God praise because he said, I'm going to do something. In fact, put that verse back up there one more time. When God tells them, sing and shout. For joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. There's only three words here that, that, that we need to get all the reason in the world to celebrate. It's the last three words of the verse. Says the Lord. Come on, if, if that said, says your pastor, you could doubt it. I wouldn't hold it against you. But it says, says the Lord. So if God said it, that settles it. I, I grew up in church hearing people say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And that kind of caught on, and we would do that. And, and then somebody would say, God said it, and then the church would say, I believe it, and that settles it. But you know what I found out? If God said it, it doesn't really matter if you believe it. That settles it. God said it. And so God is saying to the people, Go ahead and begin to sing and shout and believe for what is yet to come. The desolate woman will have more kids than the one who already has kids. Now, I don't have time to go into the details of who the desolate woman is, but let me tell you, Paul the Apostle explains all of this. In fact, he quotes this verse. 
Isaiah 54, 1, he quotes this verse in Galatians chapter 4. And he connects this prophecy from Isaiah all the way back to Genesis about Abraham and Sarah believing God for Isaac. They believed for a son. They were going to have Isaac, but, but the son never came. And so instead, Sarah said, well, why don't you take my servant Hagar and you can have a son. I can have a son through my servant. And so Hagar had a son and named him Ishmael. That wasn't God's plan. It ended up that both women were pregnant and Sarah had a son named Isaac. Now you get to Galatians chapter four and Paul quotes Isaiah 54, sing barren woman, shout for joy. And then he explains why. Listen to this, Galatians 4, 28 says, now you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, the son of Abraham and Sarah, are children of promise. Isn't that good news? That God has spoken, he spoke about you before you were formed in your mother's womb. You're a child of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh, that was Ishmael, persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. And then he says this, it's the same now. In other words, some things never change. There's a lot of people that would, that would look at your life and they would go, man, you're not, you're not a good enough Christian. You're not doing all the right things. You're not saying the right stuff. Man, I, you blew, I saw you. You blew it at work. I saw you pop off at somebody. I saw you lose your temper. And they, they would say, you are not living up to the standards of the law. And Paul is saying, you got to shake that off. You're not Ishmael. You're Isaac. You, you don't get to be in the family because you keep all the rules. You're not the son of the slave. You get to be in the family because God said you're in the family. God said he has a plan for your life. God said he has a purpose for your life. So Paul explains a little further in verse 30. He says, but what does the scripture say? And then he quotes Sarah. This is what Sarah said to her husband. Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance of the free woman's son. Now, I gotta be honest. When I read that in the Old Testament, I think, wow, man, Sarah's cutthroat. Like, it was her idea. I'm like, wow, that's cold. Like, if you just read it in the Old Testament, right, you think, man, she told Hagar to sleep with her husband, and now she had a son, and now her son's grown up, and he's picking on her boy, and she just kicks him out of the house? But Paul said it's so much more. This is about what's happening in the Spirit. Look at the next verse. Therefore, Paul explains, brothers and sisters, we are not the children of the slave woman. We're the children of the free woman. And some of you, you need to kick that Ishmael spirit out of your house because even as I'm talking faith and vision, you're disqualifying yourself from it already. Based on merit, you can't have what God said you can have. Based on approval, based on, uh, on how well you, you, you know, this isn't for me, this is for somebody else. This is somebody that's been doing this longer than me, doing a whole lot better than me. You're not Ishmael. And in a spiritual sense, you need to kick that attitude out of your house. And then he goes on in the next verse and says, verse five of Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, if we're gonna understand the context of, of Isaiah 54.1, if we're gonna understand why, even in, a, in maybe a difficult season of our life, we should sing, we should shout, we should declare, you gotta you got to understand where it sits in the Bible. 
See, Isaiah 54 might be unfamiliar to a lot of us, but Isaiah 53 is the most quoted Old Testament chapter in all of the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 53 is like the Mount Everest of Bible prophecy. Even in this church, I have to admit, I probably quote Isaiah 53 more than any other chapter of any prophet in the Old Testament. Because in Isaiah 53, we get a revelation of Jesus, of who he is, of what he came to do, and what he came to accomplish for us. Let let me just give you a couple of verses out of Isaiah 53. Verse 4 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. So we get this revelation of the humanity of Jesus, that he came born of the flesh. He felt our pain. He experienced our our frailties and our infirmities. But then he goes on in verse 8 to prophesy that he died, that Jesus would come and die. And then in verse 9, he prophesies that Jesus not only died, but that he was buried. And then in verse 11 of Isaiah 53, he says not only did he die and was he buried, but he was resurrected. And then you get to verse 12 of Isaiah 53 at the end of the chapter, and it says not only did Jesus come in the flesh and and would he die for you and would he be buried, he would resurrect, but he would also ascend to the right hand of God. And at the end of Isaiah 53, it says he makes intercession for you. So understand this is Old Testament. Right? Jesus hasn't come yet. The Savior hasn't been revealed. And yet, prophetically, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah declares there is a Savior coming who will die for your sins. He'll be buried in a tomb, but he'll rise again. And then he'll ascend back to the right hand of the Father. I mean, this is the whole Easter story in Isaiah 53. And then turn the page, first verse, sing, barren woman. Can I tell you, if you live on the other side of an empty tomb, you've always got a song. You've always got a reason to sing. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you're facing. Death is conquered. The enemy is vanquished. And so he says, why don't you just go ahead and lift up a song of praise? Honor the Lord. Bless the Lord. Praise his name because he has won the victory for you. So sing. Shout. And don't hold back. That's the word that God's put in my spirit for us this year. Don't hold back. Would you just say it with me? Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Don't don't, don't wait for the odds or the stats. Don't wait for favorable, favorable circumstances. Don't hold back. Why? Because the Lord has spoken. And then God does something. Through the prophet Isaiah, he begins to tell the people, here's what you need to do. Because I'm doing a new thing, and you ought to perceive it because I've already told it to you. Here's what you need to do. And verse 2 is really the the anchor of this vision for 2023. He tells him five things that you need to do to get ready for what he's already begun. He says in verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not Hold back. Lengthen your cords. 
Strengthen your stakes. There's there's several things we're going to unpack over the next few weeks in this verse. But today, I I just want to just touch all of them. I just want to touch the bases today. Number one, he says, enlarge the place of your tent. In other words, before you can do anything great for God, you have to believe it's possible. Enlarging the place of your tent is enlarging your perspective, enlarging your vision, getting a a God-sized imagination. Dream a dream that doesn't offend the size of your God. He says, you need to make room, enlarge the place of your tent. See, Sometimes enlarging the place of your tent just means pushing other things out of your life. You understand, like if God wants to do more, then I've got, I've got to make room for God to do more in my life. And that might be an active step of committing an intentional decision, but it might be a step of omitting some things. Some other things that have taken up priority in your life. One of the things we need to get rid of to enlarge the place of our tent is our doubt and our fear. Fear will abort every God-given dream. The Bible says in James chapter number one, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He said, if, if you're going to believe this, if you're going to grab what I'm saying, you, you got you to get rid of doubt. You remember the conversation that, that Jesus had with Thomas after the resurrection? You know, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the other disciples, and he couldn't believe it. He, he wouldn't believe it. He said, not until I see the the place where the nails were driven through his hands and where they put the spear through his side, then and only then will I believe. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus appears in the room, and it says in John 20 and 27, he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. And then what did he say? Stop doubting and believe. And that's a word for somebody today. At some point, you just have to stop doubting and believe. I know some people that are so good at believing. The only problem is they believe their doubts. And they doubt their beliefs. I just challenge you to believe your beliefs. Doubt your doubts. (laughs) You know, just, just doubt the doubts. Don't let that, that cynical voice, the accuser of the brethren, the Bible calls the devil, to come in and, and to, to start to, to cramp what the Holy Spirit is trying to birth in your heart and in your mind for what God can do. Make room in your heart. Enlarge the place of your tent. And then he says this, stretch your tent curtains wide. Number two, stretch your tent curtains wide. Now, we know Jesus said that broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the path that leads to life and few there be that find it. But, but can I just, though I know in, in relation to the, the broad road of destruction that the way is narrow, but I still believe as far as it's up to us, we ought to stretch the curtains as wide as we can. 
We ought to let as many people come in through the narrow gate as possible. In 2023, we're going to stretch open the doors for as many people to come to Christ as we can see come to Christ. God spoke this word to his chosen people, but it has application for us because the New Testament, we read it in Galatians, it says we are the children of promise. We are the heirs. So stretching your tent curtain wide means individually reaching farther than you've ever reached before. Some of you, you're gonna stretch in evangelism. You're gonna stretch in serving. Maybe you're gonna stretch in in giving. Here's the thing about stretching. It hurts. Have you noticed that? Have you ever found yourself trying to do stretches and just thought, like, why am I doing this to myself? This hurts me. But you know why you do it. Because if you don't stretch, you're never, ever going to increase your range of motion. And, and this is what, what I hear the Spirit saying to us. Stretch the curtains wide. God is saying, you need to, you need to increase your range of motion. You see, I, I know that this church isn't for everybody. We're not everybody's cup of tea. And that's fine. There's a diversity in the body of Christ. We're about the kingdom. We're not just about the local church. But I also know this. God building his kingdom is not contingent on my personality or our style of music. In fact, the word of God says in Romans that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so I know there's people that don't talk like me, look like me, act like me, walk like me, that need to know Jesus, and it's my assignment to tell, him, tell them about him. So I, I got to stretch the curtains a little wider. I, practically, it means we need, we need to reach some of the wealthy people in this community. But you know what? We also need to reach a lot of low-income people in this community. We, we, need, to, we need to reach people that, that look like me, but we need to reach a lot of people that have a lot darker skin than me. And most of you, although admittedly mine's lighter than most of you. <laughs> but we got to stretch. See, it's not, it's not enough to say, well, you know, I mean, to each their own, I'm just going to be who God made me. It's not what the apostle Paul said. He said, I've become all things to all men so that by all means I might save some. In other words, I will stretch. I'm not challenging you to get out of your comfort zone in 2023. I'm challenging you to get a new comfort zone, to stretch, to get a new range of motion, and to believe that God can reach people through us he's never reached before. This last year, we, we, we started something called Pop-Up Church. Honestly, Pop-Up Church was born out of the vision of this verse. I sense the Lord saying, stretch your tents wide. Like, we, we, we've saturated Wrightsville. We've, we've done everything we can do, and we're going to continue to do everything we can do to reach the people right here in this area. But how can we make Jesus famous in the surrounding communities? And so in November of last year, we launched a pop-up church right there at the Columbia Market House. And many of you went along with us, and we just, we just took everything we do on Sunday, and we infused it into a, a, a secular marketplace and said, we're gonna just bring the presence of God here and invite those who are thirsty to come and drink freely from the waters of life. We're gonna do it again this year. We, we're looking at a couple locations. Uh, what we found last year was we need more space. I think we maxed out at like 125 people there. 
And God was pouring out his spirit, and every Tuesday night I was going, man, I wish the rest of our church could be a part of this. But we told you not to come because we didn't have any more space for you. One of the things we launched in the fall of this last year is Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders, we've changed our language here as as a church Instead of having a, a missions fund and a building fund and, and the tithe and offering, we, we've changed to kingdom builders. And, and it's, it's more than just verbiage. It's us understanding and aligning our lives around these principles that, that the tithe is the Lord's, that he's called us to bring the first fruits into his house, but he's also called us to live on mission. And kingdom builders is strategically for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This year, we're stretching with kingdom builders. In fact, one of my prayers for for several years, for several years, I have prayed, Lord, help us to give as much in missions, to give away in missions in one year what the church brought in in a whole year when I first came here. That's been my prayer for several years. I believe this is the year it's going to happen. In fact, our, our students have already got out of the gate ahead of some of you. They, they've made a commitment this year, our students, just our teenagers, they've made a commitment to raise $20,000 for Speed the Light. Amen. That's Kingdom Builders. Now, now Paul told Timothy, as a young person, be an example. So, Young people can be an example, but don't let them show you up. (laughs) God's calling us to stretch our faith, to believe for more. For some of you, stretching might just mean serving on a team, launching a life group, getting involved in in an accountability group with some other believers. But the Lord is saying, it's time to stretch yourself. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Look at that verse again. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Everybody just say, don't hold back. I I love that right here in the middle of this verse, he's like midstream, and he just gives a little pep talk right in the middle. Like, I want you to do this. I want you to enlarge the tent. I want you to stretch out. Don't hold back. It's like he knows us. Like he, he see, like Isaiah's speaking to them the way I'm speaking to you. I'm halfway through, and you're like, yeah, I don't know. Don't hold back. Like, he just like, he just throws that in there. Don't hold back. Mid-sentence, he's saying also that this is important. Like, there's an urgency. Like, don't do this halfway. Don't do this half-cocked. Like, go all in. Don't hold back on what we're trying to accomplish. Our measure for what God wants to do in us this year is not what we've done before. If it was, the students wouldn't have set a goal like that. Our measure is the word God has spoken. Are we going to grab his word and not hold back? When I read his word, Paul says in Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, immeasurably, more than all we could ask or imagine. To him be glory and honor in the church. So how can I measure what God wants to do if what he wants to do is immeasurably more? Don't hold back. This year we're doing something we've never done before. Last year at Christmas and at Easter and even in 2021 at Christmas, 
to accommodate for everyone that was coming to the services, we had four services. As we were praying towards 2023, we were saying, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to believe God for? Are we going to try to do five services on Easter? I don't know. I don't think that'll work. And the Lord put an idea in our heart. Some of you have heard about this already. But this year for Easter, we're going to move our church to one large service at Eastern York High School. We're doing Easter at Eastern. It's a 1,200-seat performing arts center. In fact, we're not just going there on Easter Sunday. We're going there on Palm Sunday, too. We're not going to advertise that to the community. We're just going to show up, and we're going to have a Holy Spirit prayer meeting, and we're going to declare that to be a house of miracles on Easter Sunday. And I'd be lying if I didn't tell you. I've second-guessed that idea a couple times. I thought, Lord, I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. Do you know what I heard the Holy Spirit say? Don't hold back. I mean, we're not even there. You were halfway through the planning. Don't hold back. He just infuses that word right into our faith to remind us in this moment, don't hold back. So on the Saturday between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, we're going to take our big Easter egg hunt that we've done here for about 1,000 people for the last 10 years. We're going to go up there. We're going to have an event called Egg Fest. And we're going to believe by the grace of God for thousands of people to come to the football stadium to be a part of Egg Fest so that we can build relationships and love our community in Jesus' name and invite them to come back to the same place for Easter Sunday. I wonder if you would believe with me for over 800 people in attendance on Easter Sunday and 50 salvations. That's what I'm believing for. I'm praying for that. Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God told Joshua, he tells Israel in Isaiah 54, and I believe he's commanding us today, don't hold back. He's saying be passionate about it. There's an urgency to this. The Lord is coming. In Matthew chapter 14, I love the story. Last week I, I talked about Jesus being in the boat, sleeping on a cushion while his disciples were in the storm. How many of you were here for that? But, you know, there was another storm in Matthew 14. And Jesus wasn't in the boat this time. The disciples, again, think they're going to die in a violent storm. And then one of them thinks he sees a ghost coming towards them. And then they hear a voice that says, don't be afraid. And Peter recognizes the voice and he says, Master, is it you? He says, it is me. And then Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I love that. And Jesus says, Come. See, I believe God will meet you at your level of expectation. Eleven other guys never even thought to ask if they could walk on the water like Jesus. But Peter's like, if he's doing it, I want to do it. That ought to be the posture of your life. If Jesus is doing it, that's what I want to be doing. Whatever it is, I'm going to be about his business. And so Peter says, I want to come to you. And he steps out of the boat. And I know some of you, you're already ahead of me. You're, you're theologians. You're like, yeah, but he, he walked. And then he saw the wind. He saw the waves. And he sank. And Jesus rescued him. 
Well, can I just remind you before we go to like the, 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 the cynicism of, yeah, he tried and failed, every one of the disciples were soaking wet. They were all in the storm. Water got on all of them. Only one of them got on the water. So, hey, you don't get to choose if the storm comes. Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulation. Storms will come. You just get to decide, am I going to be in a storm or do I want to be on a storm? Peter said, if, if I can, let me come to you. I want to walk on the water. So Jesus is speaking to us today, like, hey, don't hold back. Don't miss this, don't miss this invitation to step into something supernatural. Look at that verse again. He said, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. And then he says, lengthen your cords. This is a word about capacity. If you're going to enlarge the tent, if you're going to stretch the curtains wider, how many of you, you got to stabilize that thing? As, as we go higher, we've got to build a stronger foundation. And so as he's telling them, hey, don't hold back. We're going to expand. We're going to go wide. We're going to go large. Make sure you lengthen the cords. Make sure there's stability. I shared a quote in the first service of this year that just, it just penetrated my heart. I want to share it again. It was a statement made by Vance Havner. He said, the vision must be followed by the venture. It's not enough to stare up the steps. We must step up the stairs. In other words, saying let's do more is not a resolution. It's a recipe for burnout. How many you can't you can't just say, you know, I'm just going to do more. I'm just going to try harder. You'll burn out. You'll wear out. But, but what God is saying is, I, I do have more for you. I do want to expand your vision. I do want to enlarge your capacity. But you need to lengthen the cords because God never intended you to live overwhelmed or overworked or at the end of your rope. Lengthen the cords. And for some of us, that means I, I gotta declutter my life. Like, I wanna live on mission, but I'm just too busy. Missional living requires marginal living. How many times in the Gospels did Jesus get interrupted? Most of the miracles happen on the way to something else. We miss out on being used by God because we're in a hurry. We pass right by the moments. He's saying lengthen your cords. For some of you, it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta stop binge watching so much TV at night. Or I gotta get up and read my Bible in the morning. I need a spiritual discipline of just having a, a rhythm of a relationship with God. I've gotta extend my capacity for what God can do in my life. Lengthening the cords is about strengthening your integrity. It's like the old statement says, you know, talent can take you to the top of the mountain, but only character can keep you there. And I don't want to just get up here and just, just blow a lot of hot air out you and get you excited about reaching for something that you don't have the character or the integrity to sustain. You have to lengthen the cords. And then he says this, lengthen the cords and strengthen your stakes. Strengthen your stakes. I like the way the NET Bible says it. It says, pound your stakes deep. This is a word about going deeper with God. 
This is a word about intimacy. It, this word is so important. You can, you can envision the, the tent, right? It's going up and, and it's, it's going bigger. It's going great. We're widening, we're widening the gates. And, and so you pull, you pull the, the string tight. You, you pull the rope, but you don't drive that thing deep. And then you walk away and beam, the thing fires out. No, no, it's, it's, not, it's not enough to just lengthen the cords. You got to drive the stakes deep. You have to strengthen the stakes. And listen, for some of you, like you, you're, you start every year and you're like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible more. And, and man, it's, it's almost February and I'm already behind. And so you're like speed reading. Because you're, try, you're trying to get consistency. You're trying to get capacity. You're trying to get a rhythm. But you know what the Holy Spirit's saying? Like, I would rather you just read one verse and spend 10 minutes listening to what I want to teach you about it. Like, I don't, I, don't need you to, I don't need you to skim over our relationship. Or you're going like, oh, I got, I got my prayer list. And, and you go down and you pray for everybody in the family and all the nations and all your friends. And, and you check all the boxes and then you say Amen. And God's saying, that's great that you're lengthening the cords of your prayer life, but can we go deeper? Before you say amen, would you let me say something? So for us, driving the stakes deep as a church has been about our midweek prayer gathering. I I said it just this last Wednesday night, that, that our Wednesday night is the coal in the engine room. It's where we stoke the fire of God's presence in our lives. People have asked me, like, do you have numerical goals for the church for this year? Yeah, I do. But they're not Sunday goals. They're Wednesday goals. I'm praying for 100 people in the prayer meeting because if we can go deeper with God's presence on Wednesday night, we don't have to worry about our capacity on Sunday. So this is the way Jesus builds his church. You work on the depth. I'll work on the breadth. See, the fruitfulness of our lives is going to be contingent on the rootfulness of our lives. I know that's bad English, but it's good theology. God's saying, you got to drive the stakes deeper. Some some people are baby Christians because they've only been saved for a year. Other people are baby Christians because they've had one year of Christianity for the last 10 years. It's time to go deeper. It's time to pursue all that God has for you. For some of you, it means pursuing the gifts of the Spirit running after the, the desire and will of God to use you. And what happens? As the worship team comes, God gives this word. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And then he says, in the next verse, here's what's going to happen. Here's why it matters. Here's why you ought to sing and shout and you ought to believe this word. He said, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. In other words, you're going to take more ground. You're going to advance the kingdom. There's more that I have for you to possess in my name and for my glory. You're going to take more ground. That's why you've got to prepare yourself. That's why you have to lean in. He says, your descendants will dispossess nations. In other words, God says this matters because it's multi-generational. 
What I'm saying to you is not just about you. God's saying, you need to get ready. You need to begin to decree this and believe this by faith because what I'm doing is for your descendants. Like you're going to take ground and they're going to possess that ground. And then he says this. He says, and they will settle in their desolate cities. In other words, here's what that says to me. That what God says I'm getting ready to do is it's a lasting transformation. Like, they're going to settle there. This is not going to be some flash-in-the-pan revival. Like, oh, wasn't that great? You remember back in the 90s when God did that thing? And they're like, oh, yeah, whatever happened to that church? I don't really know. No, no, no. God's saying, you, you go ahead and sing. Go ahead and burst in song. Shout for joy. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. Drive the stakes deep and lengthen the cords. Don't hold back because I'm about to do something that's going to change the culture for generations. So I want to ask you to stand with me today. Over the next several weeks, we're going to dive a little deeper into some of these thoughts and personal applications in your life and mine. But today, I just want to challenge you to enlarge the place of your tent in your mind and your thinking to grab a hold of what God is saying to us as a church. By faith, we're going to believe. We're going to believe that he is doing a new thing. I want to challenge you to believe that in your own life. To believe, to today, the Bible says his mercies are new every day. Morning by morning. So believe right now. God's word doesn't change. Heaven and earth will pass away, he said. But my word never passes away. So don't allow yourself to sit on the sidelines of a moment like this and go, well, that's great that God's, you know, made that true for you, or that's great that God said that to his people hundreds and hundreds of years ago. The word of God is living, it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates the very separating of soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. Let his word do surgery in your heart today. The Lord says, the Lord says, sing. The Lord says, burst into song. The Lord says, shout for joy because, because I'm about to do something new. And so rather than